0: We had a a short treat for you today. Well, treat for us and treat for you because it's short and you only have to listen to us for like, I'm hoping maybe only 20 minutes, (laughs) considering the documentary is only 16 minutes long.
1: (laughs) Look, we, we really excel at tangents. So we'll take that with a grain of salt. It's better than monologues, I guess. Uh, That's
0: probably a nicer name. mm -hmm, So, so. This week, because I was out of town and we wanted something kind of manageable for both of us to do real quick and easy, we decided to do another short. We decided to do John Was Trying to Contact Aliens. This was done in 2020, like I said, only 16 minutes long. It is on Netflix because it is a Netflix documentary, right? Got that big funding. Yeah, I was like, oh, (laughs) it's just fun. So yeah, who knew they did shorts? Now I'm going to have to look up more shorts that Netflix does. I agree. These have
1: the ones that we've come across have been so fun.
0: Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. this is directed by Matthew Killip, who I want you to know was also a producer on love has one. And if you you guys haven't seen that, that's on HBO It's a three part documentary about a uh, relatively current cult. Not quite defunct yet. It's, it's a, it's a roller coaster. Go watch it. Three episodes.
1: Yes. It's very good it's really funny to me. I know something is good when I have people running up to me and they're like, Aaron, have you guys done love has won yet? Is zoom seeing anything about it? And I'm like, okay. I know that it's going to be crazy because our sources are never
0: wrong. <laughs> right. Right. So maybe we'll cover that one in the future, but it is a longer one. So it's something we have to commit sure. to. Uh, mm-hmm. Okay. So this one focuses on, a cat named John Shepard and a couple of things I really loved about this documentary. One, it, it's mostly just John talking about himself, his life and things like that. Now, I don't know if you had the subtitles on Aaron, but the descriptions of the sounds at the beginning, it would be like electronic sound. And then one said, quivering electronic sounds. <laughs> <laughs> Someone's got the good adjectives, right? So descriptive. <laughs>
1: I think it's really funny because the imagery, it's a lot of pictures, right? From home. Mm -hmm. And it's just everything you've ever seen in any sci-fi movie, just boards and boards and boards of stuff with all kinds of knobs and switches and all this kind of shit. And it is fascinating to see it. Mm -hmm. And then he's got like, he's very much a lot of facial hair and like bell bottoms and charlie brown shirt or whatever it's such a dichotomy to see both of these things it was really fun
0: yeah and the pictures are from so it looks like he might have been born in like the 50s so you have a lot of pictures Mm -hmm. from like the 60s 70s 80s and i'm talking lots of browns lots of yellows lots of wood paneling um Mm -hmm. pretty pretty awesome so he grew up with his grandparents it His father left, I think, when he was born, before he was born. He did not know his father. And I think his grandmother decided that was not a good, whatever his situation was, it wasn't a good situation. So she took him out and he lived with his grandparents. Didn't really have a lot of contact with his mom. He describes her as different, which I found interesting, considering he describes himself as different as well. So I'm not sure quite what he means by that, but maybe
1: he's just being gracious, like, I think it's always a bad luck to slam your mom on TV.
0: So. Right. But his grandparents seem like super cool people. He has a lot of great memories. He loves that he was raised by them. And they supported him in this endeavor to try to contact other life forms outside of our planet. Mm -hmm. Right.
1: Yeah. He and his grandfather built the initial equipment and... It grew over time. So in my mind, it's like they started with a boom box, a clock radio. I don't know. Piece what it of gum was, and a <laughs> <hand> Very small, <laughs> very small scale. Yeah. And you know that grandpa was like, this will do. And then it just grows like the blob over time. It takes over his room. It takes over their living room of their house. It takes over a wing of the house. They have to go and do an addition on their house for this equipment. And I'd be fascinated to understand how they researched this, how they, you know, came up with what was necessary, because there are, like I said, all those soundboards, there's the monitors in here, which are showing you the wave patterns. And I'm like, I always thought that that was just for the viewer who was watching the sci-fi to just, it looked sciency and weird, but I don't think they would have included it if
0: it wasn't, a necessary thing. Right, I think it's it's picking up on sounds, right, that you're getting from outer space. And if you get mm-hmm. used to what the normal sounds of space are and then you see something different or a pattern as we've learned from contact mm-hmm. or whatever, yes, <laughs> then that's something that you would take note of. Now, I don't know that they're recording it because this is again, this is old technology. Um, The Mm -hmm. monitors are huge and everything, everything (laughs) is just so big. So when you think about, he had to learn all this by himself. He, I'm guessing went to the library to learn some of this because it's not like we had the internet or anything. He figured it out. And it's not like there was a whole lot of recording equipment for this. So if you're not there watching it, how do you know what happened? Or you might've missed something, you know? Absolutely. So...
1: Not only are they, re- well, they're listening, mm-hmm. they're also broadcasting. He's broadcasting out. Yep. And I thought it was really sweet that he chose to do Muzak, mm-hmm. all kinds of different music, because he said that's truly the best signal and there's universal language in that. So did you record or did you jot down all the different types that he used?
0: Not all of them. He... I know he said like jazz, electronic, African music, reggae, Afrobeat, but he really liked Gamelin, which I had to look up. So it's traditional Indonesian percussion orchestra music. It's actually really cool if you look it up and listen to it. It's pretty neat.
1: That was one thing I noticed from the closed captions that they would tell you when that music was playing. And I was like, oh, that is pretty slick. Yeah. I liked that he said he chose non-commercial music, mm-hmm. but if it's reco- so, if you bought it on a record would indicate to me that it is commercial it's commercialized music, somewhere. Whatevs. <laughs> he also mentions craftwork, Tangerine Dream.
0: Those were actual like bands or something, I think. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes.
1: Yeah, I I thought it was really funny. So. He ends up calling his broadcasts, or his, I don't know, wing of the house, I'm not sure what you call this, radio station, Project Strat, or Station One. And he says he's transmitting out a million, a half a million miles into space. And I was like, how do you measure that? But
0: okay. Well, also... Which sounds like, wow, that's a really far. And then he said, twice as far as the moon. And I'm like, so not far at all. So you're you're <laughs> playing music to people on the moon, essentially, and that's it. Mm-hmm. Okay. He did, when they built the extension on, he did get more equipment to boost that so it went out further. But I'm still guessing not far enough to another planet, right? Um, mm-hmm. My favorite part about this is he, I mean, it's like he's an actual DJ for outer space. He is talking to them. He's like, hey, you cool cats and kittens, whatever he's saying, right? So assuming that they speak English, which they don't, and I don't know that that's an assumption. He was probably just filling space. It was something for him to do. But one, these people aren't going to understand you. But two, he's like, okay, anyone, any ETs out there listening, we'll be back tomorrow at 9 p.m. Okay, what time zone do you think they have on another planet, right? And like, that's such a weird reference of time, When you know they're not even on the planet.
1: I think, though, if he were, if I were in his shoes, I would have to have a way to organize my thoughts and kind of my system. Mm -hmm. So mimicking what we do here and kind of applying it outward kind of makes sense because, I mean, there are no, I don't know what government agencies are doing this, but it is a hell of an operation.
0: Right? It really is. Yeah. It is. I will say that STRAT, which is what he calls his project in general, stands for Special Telemetry Research and Tracking. I can get behind that. It's thought out. Yeah, this guy is among the purest
1: scientists that I've ever come. I mean, like, this is not, he's not getting paid for this. I even wondered, does like, does this man work? Like, how is this? I guess he could if he's broadcasting at night, but still. At one point, he says he's putting all his energy, all his time, all his money into this. And these are, at one point, Mm multi-stories to get all this crap in this house. And um, that's incredible.
0: Right. When he said him and his grandmother pooled their money together to buy or to um, build the extension onto the house for all of this stuff and things. And I thought, how are you making money? They never discuss what he does for a living, how he makes money. If he was just living off his grandparents, essentially. What if he had advertisers? Oh, that would have been great. (laughs) All you ETs out there, make sure you drink that Mountain Dew. That's right. Ovaltine. Ovaltine. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. But, yeah, it's. So I thought about that when they talked about pulling the money but then I also thought about it later because you know he did this for many years for decades but eventually he had to stop because he didn't have the money to continue um he just ran out of funds and is that because his grandparents passed you know they don't discuss that um but he does still have all of this equipment there in storage like collecting dust, some broken down into pieces, and I love how he described it as they're just leftover pieces of thought. Oh my God, that's beautiful. I agree. I hope that he's
1: like an engineer somewhere because really, this stuff, um, I don't, I don't understand how they did it. I don't understand how they knew to do it. Um, like a book can t- teach you a lot of people who are. I mean, he strikes me as a, someone who's got incredible focus, right? And determination, but these circuits and all this stuff, they are gigantic. Mm-hmm. And there's stuff that looks to me like Van de Graaff generators, like some shit you would see, like on the set of a Frankenstein movie. <laughs> it is so bizarre to see all this stuff. And right. like how a civilian would have it is kind of crazy. So, right.
0: Let's also talk about the fact as we get to the end of this, He realized pretty young, when he was about 13 or 14, that he's gay, which wasn't easy growing up in the 70s and 80s in the Midwest, especially in a rural area. Sure. And he discusses how lonely that life was, not only being gay, but being someone who was so invested in this one particular
1: Enterprise. Thank you. Um, Words are hobby hard.
0: at the least. <laughs> <laughs> they really are. You. you came right. up with ten. You're like whatever. It's fine.
1: It's rare, so
0: let's go, we'll roll with it tonight. Gotcha, Thank you. you. But it is a fairly unique enterprise, if you will. Right? It's not something that a lot of people are going to jump on board with, or you're going to find a lot of other like-minded people. And so it was a sure. pretty lonely life that he led. Right. A hundred
1: percent. I can't imagine trying to talk to a peer about... Let me see. Let me read off the names of what these things were. The two-story high deep space transmitter. That was the name of one of these gadgets. Um, This is also a tuned circuit resonator. So I just don't know that we were talking about that over the school lunch.
0: You know what I mean? Mm -mm. Or at a bar. Like, let me tell you about (laughs) what I got in my garage. And if someone said that to me, I would assume... It was murder equipment, so it doesn't come off well. Yeah. 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 But in 1993, so 10 years ago, he <laughs> went to a bar. Oh, uh, Sophia will understand that joke, but yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he went to a bar and he met a man named John LaTrenta. And I fucking love these two. Aaron. I love them so much.
1: Yeah. Um, Number one, I always think it's weird when there's a John and a John in a relationship. Like, If one of us was with an Aaron, that would be interesting. But the way they speak about each other is so warm and loving. And I think we don't see enough people singing the praises of their partner. And it just affects me to a degree. And I'm like, God
0: damn, they are just the best. So they are. I love so John T, if you will, talks about seeing John Shepard walk in and he's like, I saw him and he had this unique look and I just was immediately attracted to him and had to know him. And John Shepard said that the minute he walked in and saw John T, he's like, he had a, just this unique energy and he seemed different and I had to walk over and introduce myself. And they talk about how you know, compassionate and caring and loving they are. It is just the sweetest fucking thing I've ever seen. And I hope they live together happily forever and die at the same exact time. Yeah. Notebook style. Yes, 100%. I do want to say that
1: they are both very bearded and they have some really long unruly hair mm-hmm. and what comes out of their shower drain must be absolutely terrifying. <laughs> it's, right. You're just like, at first I was like, oh my God, they look like really similar, but they don't. Yeah. But there was a hot minute. I was like, oh, they, they are just like, look, we're just, a, we're just men in our natural form. Yeah. It was,
0: it was a lot of hair. Yeah, but I will say if you're living in Michigan, it gets really cold and they're like, we gotta keep ourselves warm. So cold. Yeah. Yeah. I'm here for
1: it. Well, they say people start to look like each other over time. So I think this is definitely a great example of that. But again, they are the the sweetest couple. And Mm -hmm. I always dig that. So good on them.
0: Yeah. So that's really it. I mean, we Mm -hmm. we learn about John, we learn about all these things he's done, he does make a comment that, you know, he feels like after all those years, he didn't make a really big contribution mm-hmm. data-wise to ET investigations, if you will, or UFOs or things like that. But he loved doing it and he loved sharing that knowledge that he did get with other people and it was just something that gave him purpose in life.
1: Yeah, at the time when he mentioned that the lack of funds kind of ended the project, he also mentioned that it was time to move on. I think he Mm -hmm. had satisfied whatever he was going to satisfy and it was time. And I'm really glad that he did because it worked out. Okay. Yeah. So I think he wasn't bitter about giving up on that project, I guess is sort of the point I'm trying to make. Right. So,
0: yeah. mm -hmm. Yeah. I love this documentary. It was so short and so sweet. And I like that documentaries like this just show you a normal person who just has something interesting in their life and they're just sharing it with you and you get that small glimpse. It's just very sweet. They're very sweet. Yeah,
1: it was, it was really fun to watch. Did you have an honorary for this one? I
0: did for this one. I chose what well, kind of the team, if you will, the tandem team of his grandparents because they were so supportive so they saw a child that i don't know the situation we'll assume that he really did Mm -hmm. need to get out of his situation like listen you are gonna come live with us now it is family but still they took him in and they supported him and they loved him and they invested in his interests and his hobbies and you know never made him feel weird for it sure and i think that's rare um And I hope that we're able to do that for our kids because I know my kids are fucking weird, but I'm weird. So they probably get it naturally. (laughs) So yeah, those are my honor errands. How about you?
1: I chose the same. I really liked that they listened to a kid because I think so many times we just, you know, we're, we're not interested in our kids' interests, but they really didn't look at it that way. They were like, here's a way that we can kind of build this kid up. Probably because he had a rough start on things like, so he needed, I think, a little extra love and they certainly were able to provide it. So they were not featured in this at all. There were a few pictures of them and stuff like that, but yeah, it was a neat story.
0: Yeah, good find. This was an Air McCart find, so really excited about that.
1: <laughs> They're so rare. <laughs> I wanted to mention, I did look up to see if we had received any deep space signals mm-hmm. and we did. Okay. So there's some recorded fast radio bursts or FRB originating in a distant galaxy reached earth 8 billion years later. So we actually received them in 2023, but if they kind of back calculate, they think that whatever galaxy it originated in would have been 8 billion years ago. And I'm interested to how they know that, but there's not a source that they can Theorize, So it it remains a little bit of a mystery. So I hope John is out there and he's like, I knew it
0: the whole time. Yeah. So cute. Mm -hmm. That is pretty cool. Especially if you think about the fact that the earth is white 4.6 billion years old. So this signal came before earth was even a planet. So that's pretty crazy. Right.
1: Right. And like I said, it was just in the, like I have October of 2023. Now I did not research it a whole lot more than that. So we might have a situation where It was a little bit sensationalized. I don't know. But I was just, I was like, "Hmm, I wonder what, if that's still the case that we hadn't been contacted or we didn't receive any signals. I guess that's a better way to say that.
0: Carl Sagan would be so excited. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Okay. What are we going to do next week? Okay. Next week, we
1: chose Persona, the dark truth behind personality tests. This is on HBO Max, 2021 release, and it's about an hour and 25 minutes. So when we worked together at a job before this, well, we've worked together twice, but we don't work together anymore. Sorry, I had to update my timeline. One of our jobs was big on personality tests. And behavior so, tests. Which yes. are
0: two different things. So
1: it was, yeah, it wasn't it was sort of an enrichment thing is how I always looked at it. But um, that's where I was really exposed to being able to, and to take the official paid for versions mm-hmm. of things. So it was kind of
0: fun. I think the most popular one that you hear about is like Myers-Briggs. That might be the original, but we'll mm-hmm. find out. Hopefully they discuss it. So I downloaded an app and I took the Myers-Briggs a couple times and I, I made Lane take it. I made Dina take it on vacation this weekend. I made my friend Dennis take it this weekend. I'm going to make you take it before we do this so we can just kind of see the variation. And I think everyone (laughs) needs to take the Myers-Briggs just so we have that knowledge going into this documentary. That's your assignment for the week. Take the Myers-Briggs. love that. And then watch the documentary. Okay. Yeah. So, I'm excited. We shall see. We shall see. I'm sure it'll be amazing. So. (laughs) All right, everyone. Go take your Myers-Briggs. And we'll talk to you next week. Sounds good. Later. Bye.